there's a lot that I love about the fact that we're actually making progress on the deer fence now. One of the main things is seeing that pile of supplies under the pole barn shrink, knowing that more and more of that is actually being installed on Veg Hill where it belongs. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. And welcome to our podcast of March 4th, 2010. The subject today will be, at least the subject that we begin with, will be deer fence. As uh, you said in your intro, we um, we have actually started this long-awaited project. Isn't it exciting? Well, it really is exciting to us because, gosh, I've forgotten when we actually took delivery of that material, probably back in November, maybe? Yes, if not earlier. It was yeah. fall, yeah. late fall. And it's been sitting and sitting and sitting, and we've been knowing that we need to address it, and we've just been allowing other things to get in the way. Uh, but now we're actually getting it out there and underway, and it is a lot of fun to see it happen. Yeah. Not fun to do it necessarily, but fun to see it happen. Oh, I think it's fun <laughs> to do it. But, uh, well, why don't we talk a little bit about the stages that we've gone through? And, of course, it's not finished, so we'll be continuing to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the clearing the line, we we didn't even completely have the the um the landscape i guess you'd say ready for deer fence to be installed i think that's accurate we had some final work to be doing uh, to be done we we had been working on this for months knowing pretty much where the line was going to be but there were a couple of trees still in the way and we had to bring them down several branches that were in the way and we had to trim right. them a lot of things that were growing at ground level that you went around and very tediously laboriously cut down to ground level. Yes, a lot of vines and then some small offshoots on the trunks of trees that had to be um, taken out. Yeah. And then in some cases, we had to level the ground. Yeah, I had to uh, use some of our precious, precious topsoil and uh, fill in some of those little low spots. And we've done that. Right. So we think the line's ready now. And um, I guess we um, laid out where we thought the post ought to go. I, I, to review, we purchased materials from McGregor Fence Company in, for a metal hexagrid deer fence. It's their most permanent, most durable fencing material. Uh, you and I set out to do that because we said we want a fence that will last until we're dead. If our children have to do something with it, that's fine, but we don't want to have to mess with it anymore. <laughs> right. Been there, done that. <laughs> so so we're that. using this metal hexagrid, and in the process of to get it ready, one of the things that you must do is ensure support at least every 15 feet. So we're using trees wherever we can, and where there is too long a run between trees, we have to supplement it with round metal posts, and that's what we had to lay out using the measuring twins, which um, reminded me of how handy those things are. Right. You want to describe what those are? It's two. It's an electronic 
a measuring device. It consists of two electronic boxes, and one of us holds the target. Typically, it's you who holds the target. Right. And then I shoot the target from the other distance, and it's remarkably accurate and, of course, remarkably fast. That's what's yes. so great about the measuring twins. And you can cover large distances, larger than you could with a tape measure. Right. What they don't do well, and we've already established this, is um, shoot through woods. If you have trees and brush and so forth intervening, they don't work worth a flip. But if you're dealing with open spaces, they're just great. And luckily, we are at this point. We've cleared them so that they are open spaces. Yeah, for Veg Hill, uh, they're just ideal. And it's so fast to use them. So... We have, uh, I'll probably say something on the blog about the measuring twins because they've just been so handy. But we measured, as you said, for where we needed to put the posts and then marked those spots with these pink, I'm saying pink flags. They're like on a, a wire stick that have a little bright pink mm-hmm. flag at the top. Yeah, I think that's um, accurate. And we've used and reused those as well. Boy, uh, we have. They've earned their weight, haven't they? Right. So we, we, set, we figured out where we wanted our posts and uh, then, in the process of setting them, I guess we invite and we used your auger quite a bit on the tractor. Boy, the auger paid for itself too. We uh, did a lot of work with the auger this during this last week, uh, drilling holes for those posts, and uh, just makes all the difference in the world to let fossil fuel do that for you. Right. Uh, that was great. And then we we had the hole, and we had a. Uh, template stick and you would stick it down in the hole and say okay it's you know looks like it's an inch too low so we would fill in a little bit and tamp it or we would dig it out a little bit and tamp it um, and get happy with the depth of the hole and then we would put one of our posts down in it and you would monitor the level right um, from what both angles from both angles right and um one thing that was kind of challenging is every time we, we collected rocks to use to help stabilize. You collected rocks. Yes, that was one of my jobs as <laughs> rock collector. <clears throat> and we have a lot of rocks And I would guess here. that in the process of doing what we did during these last um, several days, you probably collected, what, 10 or 15 five-gallon buckets worth of right. rocks. It was a lot. Most of that came from Veg Hill, and we really wanted to get that out of the planting area anyway, so it really accomplished two purposes. But whenever you would throw those rocks down there up against the pole, I would have to just hold on for dear life to try to keep it level. And uh, of course, because the purpose those of, rocks push the post around. Right. And the purpose of them, though, was to help stabilize it and also to minimize the amount of sacrete that we had to use, right? Exactly. And I think that, by and large, it, it worked. I think so, too. I think they're very firmly set now. We're not going to have any problem with the post moving. And um, we really didn't use that much sacrete. Probably uh, these uh, sacrete comes in 80-pound bags, and we probably used one bag for every four posts. And what was our total number of, what was our final count on posts? Well, when you count the gate posts, 24 posts. Right. I was counting them this morning. Well, good. So that's a a lot of time and effort and leveling. But most of them did turn out almost exactly level. I mean, they, they really look good. Um, Absolutely. And so far, we're very pleased with how they tend to fade into the landscape, which is the whole idea of this in, this uh, deer fence. Everything's black, and um, you look out from any distance, and you just don't see the fence posts at all. Right. 
and the deer hopefully then won't be able to see the top to judge how to jump it. So this is the exactly. whole idea to keep That's them the whole idea it. of the deer fence right. is that you want to uh, deer clearly are capable of jumping over our seven foot fence. But our hope is that by using this material, it's designed to fool their eyesight and make them unable to see where the top is. And if they can't see where the top is, then they won't jump. Right. So we're hoping. Um, and of course, uh, after we did all those posts, you mentioned the gate posts. Those were just larger posts to me. And they, they were just maybe twice as big. Yeah, probably and they had twice to be, the, the right. diameter. And they had to be really sturdy. Um, we used that, what'd you call it, a dead man? This, uh, this For two of them, we had to anchor it so that it wouldn't, to give it stability. Exactly, with a diagonal brace. And that diagonal brace is anchored with a dead man, which is basically just a rock underneath the ground that makes sure the diagonal brace won't spread out any. Right. So we got those in place. And uh, um, another challenge that we had was to... Where the gate, the drive-through gate is going to be, we needed to level that ground so that you could actually line up the posts at, properly, and also the gate would open and close the way it's supposed to. That's right. We've struggled uh, with deer and rabbit damage in the garden. We don't know exactly what's deer and what's rabbit damage. Maybe over time we'll come to know it, or maybe we'll never know because uh, we'll take care of it with the deer. That's what we hope. But um, one of the things that we wanted to do with the drive-through gate is minimize the the clearance below the grate, between the gate and the ground, to limit the way that rabbits can get in. So what we've decided to do is to try to keep a really level threshold there um, where the gate comes in to be closed. And what that meant is we had to know what was truly flat. Right. And it was startling to me to realize how bad my judgment is about what is level and what is not. And we figured that out when we used the transit. You want to talk a little bit about the transit? Well, <clears throat> I would like for you to give a technical description. My description is it's really boring to use it. It's the <laughs> stick that I have to hold that has a lot of measurement you know, on, on there. And you have a little scope that looks like a little telescope. Well, it's what you see the guys, if you're not familiar with it, to see the guys um, out and women on the side of the road when they're surveying for the county or something, <laughs> um, they're using a transit yes. setup. No, you tell technically what it is. Oh, you're, it you're is doing boring, great. though. It is yeah, very boring I, to do I, it. I think the best technical explanation is that it's boring. <laughs> That's good. Um, but it is an essential tool for folks like us who are trying to operate on hilly terrain because every now and then you do have to make something truly flat and um, I just was amazed at how my eye could be fooled by terrain right and so, mine too we, we couldn't we could not have been able to tell but your eye was fooled less than mine mm -hmm. I remember saying that looks level to me how do you feel about it oh it looks like that ends high and you were right. It was, hmm. When I thought it was level, and you thought one end was a little higher than the other, there was actually 10 inches difference between, uh, in a 12-foot run. I mean, it, we're not talking about 30 feet here. We're talking about 12 feet um, 
losing 10 inches of height, and I thought it looked level. Right. So it's sad. amazing. No, it's amazing how yeah. one's eye, you're right, can be fooled and not see um, that big of a distance. But the transit picks up on it, so I and think that's a good no thing. And there's just no substitute right. for it when you get to that point. And I got a, a big goose this morning when I was able to install the first run of monofilament line. The fence will hang on this uh, very thin but strong wire that runs along the top of this fence line. And um, I've been uncertain about how it would go and so forth. And I was able to anchor one end of it pull it taut using this tensioner that is included in our materials, and we actually have one line of monofilament running. I, I did that because we knew we were going to hang the drive-through gate, and I wanted to make sure that the post was properly set uh, before we hung that gate, and in order to set it properly, I needed to run that monofilament line. And it looked really good. You got it done, and then we did indeed hang that access gate. Yes, and we're able to install uh, what we're calling the strike post, which is the post on which the gate hooks when it's closed. So we got that in the ground and set in preparation for losing you. That was uh, We right. were a little under com um, pressure to get that done before you leave for Los Angeles so that I could keep making progress with the other things. Right, and we're told that you'll be able to uh, do the monofilament installation as a single. You, you don't need help on that one, but that hanging the actual fence material, it's a twofer job. You've got to have two people. That's our expectation. I'm certainly going to try it, or if I have some time, I'm going to try it. Good. Um, but it's we're told by the folks at McGregor, Jonathan in particular, that it's unlikely I'll be able to hang the fence by myself. I'm going to need your help. But, of course, I would love it if you could. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would be great to have that done when you get back. I know. Well, let's talk through what still needs to be done on the deer fence, and then maybe we'll have a couple of minutes left to cover some other things going on here at Longleaf Breeze. Uh, we've got to finish hanging the monofilament line. Right. And then what else? Well, then, as you said, apply that fence material to the whole perimeter of the um, veg hill, hanging it from that, attaching it to the monofilament line. That's right. And, and we've got to apply the fence material to the gates themselves. They are uh, metal frames right now, and they need the, the metal hexagrid fencing to be attached to them. Uh, we need to hang the access gate. It's not hung right now. Actually, right. it doesn't exist right now. I've got to build it and then hang it. Yeah, you know, I said earlier we hung the access gate, that we hung the drive-through gate. Yes, the access gate is like a walkthrough. Walkthrough, um, and if you're having trouble visualizing that, what's interesting is it actually was not too much fun to install the poles. It has um, like an overhead, like an archway sort of arrangement. Yes. Um, so that goes over the top over, of it. So when the gate opens and closes, it's actually opening and closing into this um, frame on three sides and then the ground. So right. Um, Right. But that does give it some strength and stability that uh, really makes a difference. Right. But so that's what that gate is. And yes, we haven't done that one yet. Yeah. And then we need to stake down the fence material. That'll, uh, it's, this material is seven and a half feet tall and the fence line is seven feet tall. 
and the extra half foot is to be folded outward toward the deer. Uh, that is away from the garden. And then we'll stake that down so the deer can't nose up under it. And, right. Because uh, that, that apparently is a favorite way for them to get in under fence. So they just kind of slither underneath it. Right. We don't want them to do that. We don't want them to do that. And the final thing is fascinating to me. We're going to apply these white plastic strips that are designed to mimic the, the uh, white tail of a deer running away which the deer, we are told, interpret as a sign of danger. In effect, we're telling deer, this is a dangerous place, get away. And apparently it has an effect. So Good, well, we'll we do see. that. We'll definitely try every, every trick in the book to you try bet. to keep them out. So we're getting ready to be apart from each other. Yes, I, I need to be visiting Los Angeles to see the children. And the grandchild. Yes, so. both our children live in Los Angeles along with uh, their significant others. And you have a, a trip scheduled beginning tomorrow to head out and right. spend some time with both our children and with, uh, with Joe, our son, and his wife, Michelle, and our grandson, Smith, and with Adrian, our daughter, who is our announcer and her boyfriend, Kenny Seliger. So I hope you all have a good visit while you're out there. But I am, I told you this morning, um, I am realizing, I've known for a while how blissfully happy I am here at the farm. But what I'm realizing is that surprisingly little of that comes about because of the surroundings of the farm or what we're doing. An awful lot of it is that I get to spend a lot of time with the woman I love. That's sweet. And I'm not mm -hmm. looking forward to being apart from you. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'm not looking forward to being apart from you. I wish you were going with me to Los Angeles. But, but I know you're looking forward to seeing our babies. I know. That'll be fun. I know. Uh, before we have to go, I think you should talk about what you did. Speaking of being apart, but it was for a good cause. I had to go to a baby shower, and I could yeah. not go with you. And time but is short, so we'll just mention briefly that I had a great did. time at a shiitake mushroom workshop up in Jackson up at Jacksonville State University on Sunday came back with five inoculated logs that we have deployed in our yard in what we hope is a shady place and we're going to work to keep them damp now and hope that we have shiitake mushrooms um six to eighteen months this is not something that you can rush Right. And as you said, we can talk more about that, but it was a recent development and one that, yeah. um, and, and you know, another plan you have before we talk again will be going to a beekeeping workshop. Heading to the Beekeeping Association meeting in Montgomery tomorrow night, and um, I'm hoping to learn a good bit there. They're actually going to be building hives, I'm told, so. Well, uh, next week, we hope to be able to tell you about ordering seed. You're taking seed catalogs on the plane with you so that we can... Make some decisions yeah, about that. Yeah, we can make yeah. some real progress with that. Uh, obviously, hope to be able to tell you more about the deer fence. And on the uh, optimistic assumption we finish the deer fence, we're going to be ready to lay out rows and aisles on Veg Hill. Um, We've made the decision. We're not going to try to meander. We're not going to do the gay as garden thing. We're going to have straight rows that run north and south, and we'll tell you all about that. 
and I hope we'll be installing the weather station and um, having the first beginnings of conversation about a simple bucket composting toilet. We can tell you more about that in the weeks to come. Right, so uh, thanks for being with us, and we look forward to talking to you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.